the word that kept coming up is like the primary emotion of this labor for me was agitated. Um, I just felt so agitated. Um, whereas I felt like I was so uber zen last time. I was just like, ah, oh, I got this. <laughs> you know, like it was a super different energy. Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here, we share homebirth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted in Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birth keeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to the Holy Wild Birth episode, where today you are getting the absolute treasure of hearing Brooke's most recent birth story. I am sure that you are all as excited um, to hear it as I was for the first time. Um, so I would encourage you to get a wonderful nourishing beverage and um, settle in to hear her journey um, that she absolutely expresses um, both the flow and the agitation um, that happened within the birth story. Um, I think that it uh, absolutely embodies um, so much of her pregnancy journey, as does many birth stories. So uh, I, I'm sure that you will be enlightened and just oozing with love for uh, Brooke and baby Gilbert. Hello, my sweet friend. Hello. Okay, so today we get to hear your very fresh post, um, birth story, and I'm super excited to get to hear it. I've only read it, um, and so I'm, this is actually the first time I've heard you like share it, just kind of off the cuff, being you know in your story. And I'm very excited to hear, and I'm very excited to share it with our listeners. And I am sure that everyone has been waiting for this episode. So <laughs> I guess, where do you want to start? <laughs> it is always hard to know where to start a birth story. Because <laughs> sometimes there's so much context leading up to it. Um, I don't want to get lost in those weeds. But maybe I'll just share a few things about like um, the end, like the tail end of the pregnancy and the waiting, which those okay. who follow me on Instagram have probably seen. I've been kind of journaling on Instagram during the end of my pregnancy and the beginning of this postpartum. But just to summarize, it was, um, um, I don't know, psychologically challenging. And then you came, <laughs> you came here to be with us for a week, which was amazing. And, um, such a like delightful surprise that I didn't see coming. Um, 
And we, you and I were just like, well, you know, like you're going to be here. I might have already had a baby because you came when I was 40 weeks and two days. Um, so we knew there was a chance I would have already given birth or I could give birth while you were here or I could hold the baby until after you left, which was my last choice. <laughs> but the one I got. <laughs> um, you got. Yeah. Um, so it ended up, I was like, I was uncomfortable and having like contraction like sensations like on and off pretty much the entire time you were here. But like nothing yeah. that ever picked up steam, nothing that ever even felt at all classic. I was like, is this even a contraction? It's just like uncomfortable sensations. And um, I kept waiting to get emotional enough to have a baby <laughs> because my track record is that I get emotional before I have a baby. <laughs> so it seemed like, well, that needs to happen, but you can't force that to happen. So yeah, I mean, just ended up having a week with you where I feel like the Lord really used that time while we were here um, yeah. to just do some deeper prep work in my spirit and in my yeah. family. Really? Such like a I, precious week. Yeah, it really was a precious week. Like, I'm never going to forget, like, sitting in my yard with you and Heather and just praying and sharing and yeah. ministering and, and then... Dancing. Yes, <laughs> dancing. And so precious. And then like some of the stuff that you helped us kind of figure out with my daughter, which I'm not going to get into that. It's a whole other topic, but right. I felt like some significant freedom being bought there. And um, just knowing, having you around to, to feel safe, to decompress different things that I was feeling worried about or anxious about, or it was just it was so meaningful. Um, but I think it was like partway through your visit. You, uh, you had one day that you had planned while you were here to go somewhere else for the day um, with some other friends for the whole day. And of course, it was that day that I woke up with Bloody Show. And I was like, I was like, this whole time she's gonna. This is the day she's gonna. <laughs> I was like, this is very interesting, right? <laughs> like, this the yeah. And so I was like, this is my sixth baby. I'm probably gonna have a baby like really soon because Bloody Show is usually like an imminent sign of labor, especially for yeah. multiples. Yeah, for me, especially like I even with um, my primate, like um, my first birth. As soon as for me, and I know that's not for everybody, but as soon as I see bloody show in my body, I'm like, okay, baby's going here. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I had no contractions or anything, you know, it was just like, but while you were gone that day, I was just like preparing things for the possibility that at any minute I could start labor and have a baby. Yeah. And almost, I think, expected that that would happen before you got back that night <laughs> or like shortly after you got back. Right. Um, and it didn't. So... Then the middle of that night, which was also your last night with us, I had a ton of bloody show, like not, not to be TMI, but it was a lot, like very globby and mucusy and, you know, wonderful, like the sort of thing one would get excited about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so then that morning, I like that was at 2.30 in the morning, and then I woke up, you know, seven-ish and still wasn't having contractions and felt really frustrated. And you came in and visited with me for a bit and we talked through some things and had some tea and did some homeopathy. Sounds like we're doing drugs. Did some homeopathy. We did some homeopathy. <laughs> did some- I did it. I didn't do any homeopathy. I, I did it. You were the dealer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, oh, and did some repositioning stuff. This, the yeah, three the- sisters. Yeah. Is that we called it? Yeah. Because we suspected it might be asynclitic just because of the very erratic contraction pattern like we back to that episode we did on 
can't measure mystery, how <laughs> not every contraction has the agenda of getting a baby out, but sometimes getting a baby positioned and to position. come out. Um, and then you were like, do you want me to stay, you know, and like kind of change our plans? Cause your plan was to leave that day around noon. Um, and I had to dig deep and be like, I think my body knows something that my mind doesn't want to know, which is that this baby's going to come when you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, which is kind of like mildly disappointing on us because it wasn't, I had this story in my head of how cool it would be to have the baby while you were here. Um, but then I was just like, I'm just noticing my own body and like the fact that it kept having signs and symptoms when you were not there or almost gone. And, and I clearly knew it wasn't because who you are or like the quality of your presence, but in my own unique brain, it was like too complicated for me almost to have you waiting in the wings and my local midwife I had hired. And I just felt like for some reason, just kind of overwhelmed by it. And that sounds so silly, but it was just like, I think I needed to simplify the, the landscape kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what I was intuitively feeling as well. Um, was that like, that's the fun story. That's like what you kind of wanted. It was what you had ideally planned at the beginning, you know, and before you were like looking at hiring a midwife, we had gone mm-hmm. down that route, and, you know, and, but then it was like, it felt like, okay, this is what I have decided on. This is the midwife that I hired. This is who's waiting to attend my birth. And it feels like almost like the kindest thing. Like this is what I should, I should just stick with what I planned, yeah. even though this sounds amazing and romantic and beautiful and all the things and, and lovely, like this is what I planned and I should kind of hold to it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just felt like a, like, yeah, you just had, there was too many options and too many things and you just needed to like stay with, stay the course, you know? Yeah. That's well said. Mm -hmm. And it was really great to be able to have that conversation with you openly without offense, you know, (laughs) just like, because on one level, I was like telling you to no, just go ahead and leave. <laughs> felt almost mean, but no. I just felt safe to. I just felt safe to be honest with you, and then it felt like you were on the same page ultimately. So then you and I just spent some time that morning. We went for a walk in the woods too, and just it was yeah, nice. So my so family started packing up, and I remember gathering a few pieces of nature that caught my eye while we were out there. And then you were looking up, kind of what they symbolized, and. Even noticing the symbolism of each of the plants I had intuitively chosen was just meaningful. And I put those in a jar in my windowsill in my birth room. And I was just kind of like waiting for you guys to be totally ready to leave and facilitating our children saying their goodbyes, which was that was hard. a little heartrending, actually. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think about that, how much difficult that more difficult that would have been had you been postpartum mm-hmm. and having to deal with the fallout of like, sad children because their friends had left that would have been been a lot of extra (laughs) that's true i hadn't even thought of that okay so my baby's here and you can probably hear him he's kind of a noisy guy i want to tell my story (laughs) (laughs) he's a noisy guy he's already gained a pound at 10 days stop yeah um So once the decision was made that you guys would continue as planned and depart, it was interesting. I noticed in myself, I was like, I actually almost started crying at one point in the early afternoon. I was like, I need them to leave so I can have my baby. (laughs) 
was like, I think I knew that like probably once that was wrapped up, that mm-hmm. it would, like something would shift. Yeah. And so you joked on your way, like right before you pulled out, you're like, "Watch, well, I have a baby when I'm two hours away." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, right. Like that's that's a little ridiculous." But I did have a sense it would be that night. Yeah. So well, I knew it was. I was thinking like literally when I'm two hours away, knowing that we were going to be. It would take us a long time to get that oh. far because we had to grocery shop and we'd do dinner and had to stop to see Sherry. And I was like, I'm going to be about, which was going to be six, seven hours later, you know, in my mind. I was like, oh, she's gonna- okay. I didn't know that's what you meant. Yeah. That's interesting. That's what my thought was. It was <laughs> like, it's going to be about, we're going to be about two hours away from her. That's so funny. Baby. <laughs> well, spoiler, I didn't have my baby when she was two hours away, but I did Close. have a lot of break. <laughs> when you were two hours away and um because I just got through the rest of the evening like had dinner with the kids and kind of shepherded them through saying goodbye to their friends and took a nap and then I was laying down with my six-year-old at her bedtime and when I got up from that my water broke um so then I was like okay really it's gonna happen now like any second so I texted my midwife and um her name's Laura and I said my water broke and I think she also thought that probably means it's coming fast because this woman's already had bloody show. She's a multip. Her labors are not short usually or not long. Um, but she was at another birth, 45 minutes away. <laughs> Go figure. So Lauren and I had a good chuckle about how ironic it was that once Lauren was gone and the local midwife I'd hired was 45 minutes away, that's when I was going to choose to have my baby. <laughs> you were like, you were just wanting it. Either the midwives were available. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, nothing really happened besides what had been happening. Like we're talking 30 second contractions every 15 to 20 minutes. So I just Mm -hmm. got in bed with an adult diaper on and laid low, snoozed. And at about two two ish AM, my midwife was finishing up at that other birth. And I'd had a few contractions that felt like they were getting stronger and a little closer. So she came straight here and her birth photographer came too. About 2.30 a.m. they arrived and I got out of bed and Tim finished filling up the birth pool and lighting the candles in that room and just kind of getting the playlist on. It was all very beautiful. And I sat on my birth ball and my robe and my pretty bralette. And it was just kind of like rolling my hips. And like Tim said later, it seemed like I was like a boxer in the corner, like getting ready for to go into the ring. Like, <laughs> like you should stand behind me and rub my shoulders and be like, all right, you got this. (laughs) Because in my brain, you know, doing this thing I know better than to do, but I was comparing it to my previous birth. And my previous birth had been, I was laying in bed with very manageable contractions for two hours. And the second I got out of bed, I stopped, which happened this time too. But then when I hit the water, they started in earnest and I had a baby 30 minutes later. So in my mind, I thought, I'm going to get in that water and the contractions are going to come back and this baby's coming out. Okay, so I got in the water after I'd like geared myself up and nothing really happened. <laughs> it was just very disappointing. I was just like, they're still kind of there, but like I'm bored. Like I was sitting in the water being, I'm like, this is really boring. And everyone's just sitting here looking at me. If I'm bored, I'm not in labor land. Like this is not, birth is not imminent. Right. So they like left, you know, like go away and come back in and check. And sometimes midwife would just sit with me and chat about stuff. Um, but finally we all admitted to ourselves that it wasn't happening and she suggested I get back in bed. 
So I did. And then her and her photographer went downstairs to rest. And then at, so I think it was about four that she sent me back to bed. And then around six, she came back up to check in and she's asked if anything had changed. And I was like, yeah, not really. I mean, it's still the same, like there are contractions, but they're far apart and they're really easy. Um, I, you should probably just go. So they left. Um, and Tim was sleeping through all this and I was like having just enough contractions to not sleep, you know? Um, so I continued to lay there and have these lame contractions. These lame contractions. (laughs) They were so lame. (laughs) Until the sun started to rise. And then it was something in me like broke. And I was just like, I can't face another day of this limbo of like, having these signs and symptoms but nothing's really happening but I'm too uncomfortable to have a normal day but I'm not comfortable enough to like sleep you know it was just like it felt suddenly so overwhelming to me to face another day of like adult diaper wearing (laughs) the rising of the sun does something to laboring that like pre-laboring woman like another day thing it does something because you feel like like I'm not gonna have my baby today because my children are gonna wake up any second right and how am I gonna go into labor in that right setting, you know so I felt like I'd lost my opportunity for another like 12 mm-hmm. hours basically <laughs> but so I, I woke him up and I started sobbing it was the hardest cry I've had in a real long time Just cried my eyes out and was like on my hands and knees like pounding the bed and snot running down my face and like all the things were wrong and he, poor him, he just woken up. He said later that it was like somebody had died the way I was crying. I was so intense. And <laughs> so like the release you needed. That's a release. And then at one point I finally was like, I just want my baby. <laughs> and I think that was like that tipping point that I'd been waiting for emotionally. Um, but then I pulled it together and I was like, okay, well. We have to get through this day. So Laura had said something before she left about how he's sitting on my pubic bone. So I'm going to figure out how to help him engage so that I can have some real contractions. And um, you can go make me some breakfast while I look into that. And I just started like trying to plot, like, how am I going to get through this day? And he's like, you can stay in bed. Like, I'll take care of the kids, whatever. So he goes down to make me breakfast. And while he's downstairs, I'm laying on my side wrapped in my pregnancy body pillow, Googling how to get my baby to engage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, and I took uh, some pulsatilla and cauliflower. Thank you. Um, So pulsatilla for helping me position a malposition baby, cauliflower for the contraction sorts that I was having seemed like maybe a good fit based on our previous conversation. And Laura agreed. So, um, yeah, and then suddenly I had a really, like, different contraction. And then it was followed up very quickly by another one like that. And another and another that kept getting harder and closer together to the point that I felt pinned to the bed and, like, was had to vocalize through them, like, moaning. And I remember my brain was still like, but I have to get my baby to engage. Like, so I was, like, <laughs> trying to contort my pelvis in different ways that I thought might make it easier for his head to tuck under the pubic bone. And I was like, and then at some point it clicked. I was like, I'm probably having contractions because he is engaged. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I can stop worrying about that. Um, 
so when Tim came up with my breakfast and found me like this, like writhing on the bed and moaning, he texted the midwife. It was like, we looked at his text history, 8.27 a.m., I think. So she had left around 6-ish. Text her 8.27 about my contractions. And she said, I'll come, I'll come right back. And he said, well, wait, did Brooke tell you to come? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, then wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> so I texted her 8.41 and said, contractions, so intense, right on top of each other, can't stay on top of them. And she's like, I'm driving. <laughs> so I love that he protected that like he kept her informed, but it was also like, wait, I have to make sure that this is what she wants. And yeah, I just totally. think that, that, especially knowing that he really wanted to not do it without a midwife there. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful like picture of the unity that you guys really walked in. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah. So um he oh at one point during these hard contractions while we were waiting for laura to arrive i yelled i need my water and he lunges for my water jug and i'm like not that water that water and i pointed at the birth pool and i was like but it's cold now it's because it's been sitting for hours right. he's like well let me work on getting it warmed up so he heads off to do that and i just keep laying there moaning and yeah. Um, then he's like, you know, it's actually pretty warm. I think you could probably come and get in now. So I hobbled over there. And just as I was walking over there, Laura and our photographer came in again. Just good timing. And so basically, I just went st- straight into the pool with a like, you know, it's funny. You know, you're real labor and you don't care what you're wearing anymore. I just had on like a thin white long sleeve t-shirt and an adult diaper. And I was just like, I don't, somebody was like, do you want to put on your pretty bra? And like, I was like, no, like. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. Right. Um, and got in and I was like, this is not warm enough. <laughs> um, so he's like, well, it felt warm to me. And I was like, it's not. You have to bail some of this out and get hot water in here. So he's like pulling electric kettles full of hot water in and it still never really got warm enough. No. But whatever. I wasn't about to get out. Like the vein of water bursts. Like- <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're a pain in the butt for sure. And I know that full well as a birth attendant, but as a mother, you need your you, you just want the water. Yeah, I need the water. Absolutely. Like <laughs> benefits outweigh the outweigh it for sure. Like your pros outweigh the cons there. But oh, it's like when it's cold, it's just awful. <laughs> yes. Um so I at this point I'm happy the sun's up and I could see out my big window by my birth pool, which is something I'd wanted. Um, yeah. so I could see my, the pretty colors on the trees and there's also, oh, Tim had forgotten to put the liner in the pool and it turned out there was a tiny hole in the bottom that made like a little bubbler fountain in the middle of like little air bubbles. So that was like my focal point while I was in labor in the pool. I was just looking at that bubbler. I love um, that. Especially and, with all of the like water and flow and. Yes. I forgot to mention all of that. Yeah. That's a little backstory there, but in the month or so leading up to this father had been giving a lot of word pictures and prophetic words and scripture all about flow and water and wells and it's really interesting I'm still not even sure I'm done unpacking all of that but one of the take-homes was like flowing sometimes requires (laughs) you and I were talking about this like like being flexible and yielding to 
the tumultuousness of the water, right? Like whether you're on like the rapids of a river or the, the Lake Michigan on a windy day, like flowing isn't always this peaceful, calm thing, but it can be like a, um, a like jarring kind of thing. And in order to get through it, you have to be willing and able to go with it and not resist it. Cause resisting, it means you get thrown under. Yeah. So I feel like that was a good word going into this labor because it definitely felt more like a tumultuous river or a windy day at the lake um, than a stream. <laughs> like it right. was um, the word that kept coming up is like the primary emotion of this labor for me was agitated. Um, I just felt so agitated. Um, whereas I felt like I was so uber Zen last time. I was just like, Oh, I got this. <laughs> you know, like it was a super different energy. And I had had a lot of nervousness going into this birth, um, which was a first for me, but just nervousness about experiencing the intensity of labor sensations again. And I don't know if that was like a foreknowing that it was going to be more intense and painful, or if my nervousness created the intensity and the pain. It's, right. It could be I a little bit of each. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, once I got in the water, it was, it did not get Zen at that point. It stayed tumultuous and the, I was trying all these different positions and the contractions were no longer on top of each other. They weren't like, like that intense um, transition type contraction pattern. They spaced out, but they weren't exactly pushy right away either. Um, I could feel descent but it wasn't fetal ejection reflex by any stretch of the imagination for the first many contractions. Um, but they just felt hard and I felt it was very hard to get kind of grounded in my body and in my mind, um, just kind of agitated and switching positions a lot, trying to find something that would feel productive and give relief and couldn't seem to find it. It was like uh, really restless. <laughs> And then at some point they did transition to, oh, let me paint the scene a little bit too. My 11-year-old, my 7-year-old, and my 6-year-old were all in the room watching very quietly, and my husband. And then the midwife was actually just outside the room or close to the door to the room, like pretty far back because we had had a lot of previous conversations about how I wanted this birth to be as untouched as possible. Like I wanted it to feel like a free birth. And she very graciously gave me that. Um, she gave me that like without questioning me, without doubting me, without pushing back. So she was very much like waiting in the wing. Um, I don't even know if she had gloves on, you know, like she was just letting me do my thing. Um, and then when the fetal ejection reflex contractions started happening I didn't push with them right away but they just were hard like I was just like this feels like this it felt more like I was splitting my pelvis in half and I had like shooting pains down my inner thighs and so finally I think I got tired of that and then I started pushing with them because I wanted that to be done you know like I didn't want to breathe through them anymore I wanted to work with it to make it end sooner yeah um but I just felt like a slow, hard descent, like pushing through earth that hasn't been broken, like hard earth that hasn't been broken yet. Like 
very yes. different than what my last birth felt like, which felt yeah. more like a sliding through, you know, this was more like excavating. Mm. <laughs> I just never thought of that, excavating. Um, and at one point, my midwife did say from the corner, you might want to try, because I kept being on my hands and knees. She's like, maybe you try flipping over and leaning back. I was like, I don't want to, but I did. And it was awful. But that contraction um, really did a lot. And I think I screamed through it. And I also remember looking up in the middle of it and the birth affirmation that happened to be hanging right above my head so that I can do hard things. <laughs> so it's like, okay, yeah, okay. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So even pushing his head out felt like he had the biggest head on the planet. Like it just was like the slowest emergence of a head. And I was like, is it all the way out yet? I was like, I was like yelling at people. <laughs> I was like, is it? Like, somebody tell me. My husband wasn't even looking because he was like too nervous. So my husband yeah. was like, you still have to get the chin out. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, and then it was finally out. And then there was a pause. And it was not a comfortable pause. It was very much a stretching pause. Um, and then the next contraction, she's, I could feel him rested too. Like I feel him turn very clearly toward my thigh. Um, and she's like, I think you might have a big shoulder. You're probably going to have to push hard. So I gave him my all. And it felt like, like literally nothing moved. Like it was not a productive push between fur and my own effort. It was like a complete lack of movement. And I was already on my hands and knees. So it wasn't one of those things where I was like laying on my back you know like with a small pelvic diameter like because you know with a stuck shoulder usually the first thing you would do is get a woman on her hands and knees so I was already there and it was already still not working and um I think I think I said something out loud about it doesn't feel like anything happened and she said can I check for a cord and I was like yes please so she did she's like no cord do you want me to check his shoulders and I was like yes and she said yeah they're a little stuck um and I don't I don't remember this clearly and I do have a video. I should watch it, but I think she asked if I wanted her to try to loosen them. And I think I said, yes. Like, I feel like there was a moment of consent there, like explicitly, but there might not have been. Um, whatever the case, she, she did not have to do the full, like reach a finger in hook an arm and pull it down maneuver. She just did kind of like tilt the baby's head, um, towards my belly and then towards my back. So it would kind of like create a slope between mm -hmm. head and shoulder. And they, they released pretty quickly. And then he shot out yeah, into her. She didn't like rotate or anything. Mm -mm. Cause he'd already rotated. So it was just, she, she described it to me later that she was just creating a slope so that there wasn't as much of a hook kind of, I don't know. It's hard to explain that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and because her hands were there, he shot into her hands, which that, that is a little disappointing. Cause I had really, really desired to have like this still quiet moment of like quietly pulling my baby through the water slowly while looking at him and like slowly pulling him up above the surface like that kind of birth pause moment I really wanted but in that moment I was just too agitated to even be present to it and so I just turned around and like took him from her right away and uh, which was not a struggle <laughs> um, right. and pulled him up to my chest and so you still um, did get to take him from her. And oh, yeah. Break him. For sure. Yeah. Um, 
because I like immediately spun around and grabbed him from her and pulled him up and she like backed right off again like no hands no no rubbing him no no nothing she just stepped back like physically stepped back um and watched and I was watching him too and again if people know my previous story my last baby didn't have a great APGAR score when she was born and just needed a fair amount of stimulation and a couple breaths so I was like a nervousness of like that happening again but I could see with him right away like he had great tone and he was sputtering and making faces and all these reassuring things that she had not done um and even though he was a little bluish it never felt concerning to me I think I did he was gurgly so I suctioned him with my mouth a tiny bit um but just mostly just gave him time and you know held him and rubbed him and talked to him and I I think I cried a bit I was just so relieved (laughs) Um, I'm so happy, so relieved that it was over and that he was okay. And Tim came over and kind of looked at us and got a little teary-eyed too. Um, I think again with relief. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so we sat there not long. Oh, then when I looked up, all of my kids were there. So the other two children had come in at some point. I'm not exactly sure when still, but I guess my seven-year-old had run downstairs to tell the nine-year-old and the two-year-old that the baby was coming and so they had come up so it was really fun to look up and see my entire family lining the edge of the pool yeah um and just moved closer to them and let them see him and touch him but then it was cold so I wanted to get out <laughs> I was worried that he would get too cold yeah it's definitely so, not comfortable to sit in cold water either no nope especially not with a long sleeve t-shirt on anyway so they helped me get out and come to bed he latched at the 20 minute mark like so quick and easy Um, and I felt the placental separation gush pretty shortly after that Um, and again backstory here is I have never had a placenta come out before the two hour mark I don't bleed heavily but it just for some reason always has taken about that long but I had some herbs on hand this time to use and um just I was like I'm hopeful this is going to be the time that it doesn't take two hours and again I was I was pretty patient with it at first but we weren't cutting the cord because we wanted to do cord burning that was really important to me so I was like trying to hold the baby nurse the baby and deliver my placenta all at the same time which is actually quite a lot to manage as you might imagine, if you haven't tried it yourself. Um, so I was giving it my all. Like, I think I worked harder on it this time than usual. I'm, I don't get after pains. That's my other weird fluky thing. Most women will feel some after pains that help them know, like, when to push. You know, <laughs> like, and I don't get that. So it's like, my midwife was, like, feeling my uterus and being like, you're having a contraction. Do you feel that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, Yeah. So we tried all the things, Lauren. We tried the herbs I had. We tried sitting on the toilet. We tried me laying flat on my back with my hips tilted up to the ceiling. We tried um, ice water, which she had heard sometimes helps. We tried gentle cord traction. I tried coughing, growling, <laughs> flat out pushing. Oh, just it felt like we exhausted our toolbox and still wasn't coming out. Now, I was not bleeding heavily, so it still wasn't an emergency by any stretch of the imagination, really. Um, but again, agitated, 
I was so agitated. I was like, I, this thing has to get out of me. Like, I just need this thing to come out of me. So psychologically, you needed it. Yes. Yep. Physiologically. Yeah. Which is true for her helping with the shoulders, too. Like, and I said this to her yesterday when she visited. I was like, I'm fully aware that you helping me with the shoulders and the placenta were not medically necessary. <laughs> but psychologically, they felt very necessary. <laughs> um, and I guess, like, that was an interesting lesson for me because I think in general I can be such a purist like if it's not medically necessary never do it but I think just learning that there's something to be said for honoring where somebody is emotionally and psychologically um that has to matter too and that's okay for that to have some sway in the decisions we make yeah they absolutely matter just as much yeah so they're part of health picture (laughs) mm-hmm so she, at one point, after about two and a half hours, so I now surpassed my longest placenta delivery time. Oh it still wasn't budging. She's like, I can tell it has detached. It is not attached. It's mostly in her birth canal. The cord has gotten longer. It just won't come out. She said, I could reach in and pull it out. And you, the tone of her voice was like, I don't really want to, but I could. And I said, she said, it, but it wouldn't feel good. <laughs> and I said well your hand isn't any bigger than his head let's do it (laughs) it's like who am I like (laughs) so I laid down in bed on my back and she told me to like you know let my legs part and keep my bottom loose and here we go and um oh ah it was awful like awful um and it took two attempts she had to reach in and um, try to grab it. And oh my gosh, I, you know, you think the hand's smaller than the head, so it's a big deal, but it's not meant to go up in that direction. Right. Yeah. Especially not right after birth. And especially not when the fist is then like opening to try to grab something and extract right. it. It was yeah. kind of, I screamed and nobody else was in the room. And I think I kicked her in the crotch on accident. Oh. And <laughs> I was like, no, I don't like this. <laughs> Um, anyway, she did get it out and accidentally punched a hole through it with her thumb in the attempt to grab it. And, and, um, it was a huge relief. And she said, yeah, only a part of it was in your uterus. It was mostly in your birth canal. It was just wedged. And interesting. Um, her theory, like like the shape of your pelvis or something is always kind of kept, you know, like you just have a deep shelf there. Is what she was proposing. So Did I, I don't really know, and I might not ever know, but it was out, and that was a relief. So he was born at 9.49 a.m., and then the placenta was born at 12.30-something, I think. So it was a, it took up a lot of time. And then we were able to um, call the kids back in, we put the placenta in this special wooden heart-shaped bowl that I had, like, spent months trying to find. For some reason, I had it in my head that I have to have this wooden bowl for my placenta. Um, and the cord burning was sweet. I, I just love them for the way it quiets the room. And just like yeah. any of the chaos that's happened before, just kind of like everything just slows down. And we just have to be really present because it takes yeah. time. It's just such an intentional time. Yeah. And the kids each got a turn holding the candles, which is great because they're pyromaniacs. <laughs> and Tim prayed for yeah. the baby. Um, I'm just kind of blessed him and 
we thanked the placenta for doing its job. <laughs> and um, I would have done, I really wanted to do like a name blessing, like reading something over him about his name and why we chose it, but we didn't have a name yet. So that didn't end up happening, which made the cord burning time feel a little awkwardly long. And again, I got agitated and was like, maybe we should just stop and cut it. And my eldest was like, nope, we're never going to quit. We're going to finish this up. <laughs> I was like, okay. You say Sounds so like <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But there's so, out there. It's okay. Um, so we finished it up. And then we did trim it because I don't personally like the very long tail with the charred end. So we did trim it with like a little rubber band kind of thing. Um, and by then it was about 1.30, I think. So he'd been born at 9.49. Placenta came 12.30-ish, somewhere in there. And then like 1.30-ish, I think, is when we finished up everything. Oh, and then we did the newborn exam. Really brief kind of version of it. And um, the midwife had said that he looked really big and everyone was guessing his weight and guessing in like the upper nines and the low tens. And I was like, no way. Like, there's no way. My biggest baby up until this point has been nine pounds, 10 ounces. And who's my second born? Um, and so anyway, Tim had to hold the scale because it was really heavy and my midwife wasn't tall enough to hold it high enough over the bed. So Tim was <laughs> holding the scale, um, and she was reading it and she, when she read it out, I was just like, are you kidding me? He was nine or 10 pounds, nine ounces. So like two pounds bigger than my last baby. Um, and so that might explain some of why it felt more like excavating to get through the pelvis this time. It was um, excavating some things. <laughs> yes. And his head was like, like 14 and three quarters inches or something. So it was like a pretty big noggin. Um, so it was kind of one of those moments of like, wow, I'm glad I didn't know that ahead of time. <laughs> like, and also like, whoo, I'm, that's impressive. I pushed that baby out, you know? Um, and yeah, so we just got tucked into bed and I had my celebratory blueberry juice that I had bought for myself and like some toast and eggs and, um, and it was still like only the middle of the day. So we just had kind of a lazy afternoon as a family after the midwife and photographer left and. Um, my kids baked a cake. We sang happy birthday to him um, and ate the cake. It was really good. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the end of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it throughout this, I know, and when we didn't dive too deep into like the flow, I think you, you, you got to share a little bit there. Um, and then, you know, that, that had been a theme. So you have this, like, the flow theme and then the agitation theme. Um, <laughs> like, what's your biggest takeaway from that, you know, this side of the birth story? Um, I think I'm going to be unpacking it for a while, but, oh, I forgot to say this. As my midwife was leaving, she hugged me. And I didn't premeditate saying this, but the words that came out of my mouth to her were, I ended up needing you a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Lost you. Um and it made me like teary as I was saying it turn. Even now it makes me teary. And I think that that is because my last birth was unassisted, like entirely. Um, and I loved it and had a lot of pride in that and having done it on my own and taking full responsibility and not needing anyone. Um, but during my pregnancy with this babe, the Lord kept like partly through you, Lauren, but also partly through other people in my life. Kind of agitating 
<laughs> the word midwife in my brain. Like, what does it mean really to be a midwife? And am I called to be that? Am I already that? People were calling me that suddenly, even though I have gone through great lengths to not call myself that. <laughs> so it seems like the Lord was just bringing some things up around that um, at a time that seemed a little bit strange because my primary work at the time was, of course, just to grow and birth a baby. And so that theme had been coming up during my pregnancy with him. And, and then I was very reluctant to receive a midwife into my space because I had started building this identity around being a free birther and, and abandoning the idea that I was going to be a midwife ever and just calling myself a birth keeper. And um, it just had to kind of distanced myself in many ways from midwife for various reasons but then having the Lord kind of like tease that <laughs> during the pregnancy and then through my husband's deep need for it, inviting a midwife into my space reluctantly, and then to end up surprising myself by calling out for her hands um, twice, like with two kind of big things that technically I probably could have resolved myself given a little more time, but it, it felt good to be able to reach out and have her step in and, and assist me in those ways at the time. And so it just feels like it's, <laughs> I don't know, like, again, I'm going to be attacking this for a long time, but just like as a mother and as a birth attendant, who am I and who am I not? <laughs> what do I really believe about this? Um, like there's just a lot there for me and I don't, I feel like it's all purposeful and I don't feel like in a rush to kind of sort that all out, but I just, I can see that the Lord is doing something. Um, and he, and I had sensed from the father during this pregnancy too, that the midwife being hired was largely for my husband's peace of mind, but also because he wanted to teach me some things about receiving and being cared yeah. for. And cause that's not something that comes very naturally to me. And so I think obviously I ended up allowing and asking for that during this birth with her. Um, and she did it really beautifully. Like it was just right. Um, and then even she came back the next day and then she, she knows I don't need a lot. Like I'm not a very needy client. So she wasn't sure she was going to come back again. And then I texted her a few days ago and I said, can you actually come back again and do another postpartum visit for us? I just, it would just feel good to me to be checked in on. And so I asked for that again. Yeah. Um, and she came yesterday and we had a great visit and processed the birth a little bit. And she held my baby and cooed over him and gave me a big hug and just felt like the nurturance and, and just being open to that. And um, so I think there's lessons there for me too about yeah. um, asking receiving. for and receiving nurturance. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and then the agitation thing kind of annoys me that I was, but I'm so agitated. Like I would rather see myself as a serene in command birther. Um, but that's just not what it was this time. Um, and I'm trying to just keep a sense of humor about that. And then one, um, actually someone in my embrace birth journey program pointed out to me that this is going to get really coming out there, but his middle name is Ignatius, which means fire flame. Yeah. Um, and she said, you know what? Agitation is required to start a fire. Yeah. I was like, ooh, <laughs> boom. <laughs> like, 
right? Yes, it is. So it just, I'm almost wondering if there's some sort of like prophetic significance mm-hmm. about his life in the presence of the agitation in his birth too. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a little too out there, but. I don't think I don't so know. at all. I think, especially with how the depth of which, um, I mean, the symbolicness of his name and, and this, you know, just the significance that, that honestly the Lord puts upon names, um, but that you agree in that, right? Like, and I just think it's such a beautiful thing that even though it's not, you know, quote what we want, um, it's, it's further than that, right? It's deeper than that, that um, if it's part of who he is, it's that his birth, it's his birth story really. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's part of his story and what he needed to really be, who he is and all that he's going going to be so yeah yeah i think yeah. you have such an array of beautiful birth stories too that um, i mean i think this one's a beautiful birth story yeah you know? it is in its own way yep yeah absolutely <sighs> well um i guess that's really is there anything else that you would want there's some really awesome takeaways it's important to me that I was three hours and 33 minutes away yes. and gave birth to that baby. <laughs> because your camper had some issues. A camper broke down and we couldn't move forward. And so that's where we were. Um, and so I thought that was entertaining. That it was like silver water broke at two hours and then an hour and 33 minutes road time later. <laughs> so crazy. You did not make it far. I did not make it very far at all. But I thought yep. that was entertaining. Mm-hmm. There were so many um, Hebraic numbers that were coming up in yeah. the, the preemptive time of this um, this birth, and all the words kept pointing to different scriptures and yeah. and Hebraic words. And then it was like, look, there's. I think we had been on the um, the two two two. I don't remember. Was it Joel? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We were in some scriptures with two to two, and then I'm I'm three three minutes or three hours and thirty three minutes away, and I was like, "That's just <laughs> that's just hilarious." <laughs> yep. So. Now playing with numbers this time was fun with you. I'd never really gotten into that before, but even yeah. like when this time of birth, and you helped me find like the Greek and Hebrew it, like Strong's Concordance numbers for yeah forty nine, and that ended up really shaping our choice of his name and his name and yeah, yeah there's so much there that the Lord kept That's showing. Fun, it's just really entertaining. Yeah, yeah, really fun. It's good stuff. Um, oh, I wanted to point out like we we've talked about this in the surpassing pain free birth episode that your birth doesn't have to be pain free in order to be anointed. Like they're not right. they're not the same thing, right? And I, yeah. it was cool to be able to experience that in a weird way, like that this was not a serene pain free birth, but it still, it was still an anointed birth. And yeah, because my last several births were basically pain-free, I hadn't gotten to put that theory to the test in a sense, you know, and this time I got to see that in action in my own story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the little ways the Lord showed me that he saw me and was giving me the desires of my heart, even though there was other ways that it was really hard. Right. Like even not having the baby until it was daylight and right. all my kids being there. and. Um, I'm forgetting the other examples I had in my mind, but October um, birth. Yes, that was another one. I really wanted him to be born in October. I've been but not on that. the 31st. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it came on the 29th. So 
Yeah. Um, and also that it wasn't a hands-off birth. Right. Um, but it was really cool to see how hands-on doesn't have to be invasive or feel violating right when it's done well right yeah, like right when it's done with your choice and your consent yeah. and it's you know and at my request you're wanting that your request yeah. right that's the word i was looking for right like you're yeah you're requesting that and then that is that's still that's very much autonomy like mm-hmm. it's very yes. much autonomy yep and i and i just have so much appreciation for my midwife for being able to hold that space with me because I started off saying like, just basically don't touch me and leave me alone, you know? And she was fully prepared to do that and was doing that until I said, I actually do want you, you know? Um, And again, it gives me thought about like, if I were to function in that role in the future, like um, what it looks like to do that, to do that well with women and to find that, that balance between like, what does it mean to really give a woman her autonomy? And that doesn't necessarily mean you never touch or never, do anything but like the doing comes um at request and with consent and and mutual understanding and respect it Um, seems like that that was a theme even in your um, your own birth attendance in your pregnancy um i remember Mm -hmm. that one particular conversation about um i think you were tending virtually to someone and you were like i think that if she just switched in position but I don't want to like tell her what to do. Mm-hmm. And you were in the telegram chat with me and I was like, don't deprive her of your, you know, of your wisdom. She's invited you here. And so like, you know, you can offer that. And I don't know. I just keep yeah. seeing that, that theme, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were finding the, I think it happened again with the, like, should I go in time to be there yep. or not that, you know, it's just that like, what is yeah. the line of, of as attending birth, what's the role and, and, you know, how needed, I always say midwifery, this, and whether you're, you know, birth keeper in the spirit of midwifery, if you're tending in this, this spirit of, of being with women, you know, it's like the most like unneeded and yet so very needed mm. role, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're so not needed but yet we are so very needed and yeah. and the juxtaposition of that is, is very, you know, they seem like it's complete opposites, but, but a good midwife holds both of those. Yeah. Well said. Yep. That definitely did come up in me as a birth attendant during the pregnancy. Like too. that's the agitation. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yes. The agitation of living in the tension between um, two extremes, really. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Both as a woman who was giving birth and as a birth attendant, yeah. right? Yeah, so, that's what I say. The revelation lives in between tension. two contradictory ideas. Yeah, two seemingly contradictory ideas. Yes. Okay. Well, it was the birth I needed, and yeah. I know that as most birth stories, over time, more and more of the reasons for. And the gifts from the way a birth unfolds become revealed, you know? Yeah. And I'm only 11 days out. So um, I know there'll be more coming in terms of reflections and revelations. Yes, absolutely. Well, if there's any good ones, maybe we'll jump, jump in and mm-hmm. do or do a little bonus episode of them. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> Deep right. thoughts from birth revelations or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, thanks for thanks for helping me record this. I think that having the back and forth with you was yeah. helpful for awesome. pulling out well, more details. Yeah, it was a fun one to uh, to listen to, and uh, an honor to have a little bit of a piece of role in in the pregnancy and in the you know just the retelling of it. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'll see you next time, friend. All right thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of holy wild birth we hope that you were genuinely encouraged inspired and challenged by what you heard today if you're loving what you hear please make sure that you share it leave reviews that helps other mamas find this content as well and don't forget to read the show notes, okay? Because that's where you can find our email address if you want to reach out to us and start a conversation. It's also where you'll find free offerings as well as invitations to work with me and or Lauren. We can't wait to get to know you. See you next week. Bye.